Hey guys, it's Scott. So much to discuss in this newsletter. I'm really excited. And just for starters, as a reminder, I'm going to email you guys newsletters Tuesday and Thursday. One newsletter will be for paid subscribers and will have material for the class, Comic Writing 101. The other newsletter will be free and will give you updates, teases, info on all the books we're doing and my thoughts on things that I've read that I've really enjoyed, all kinds of fun stuff. For paid subscribers, I will likely post more often during the week than just once, but I don't want to inundate you with emails from me. So I'm going to post without emailing it to your inbox. So you can always expect something Tuesday. You can always expect something Thursday. But along the way, I'm going to do little teaching tips, craft thoughts, you know, mini assignments, things like that. So you can always check back at our best track it if you're a paid subscriber and find cool stuff and extra material. Okay, so first order of business, shameless self-promotion. Noctera Volume 1 has its final order cut off on Monday, this coming Monday, Labor Day. We're so, so proud of this book. I love it. It's kind of everything I, I loved to do at DC in terms of the bombast and the widescreen, over-the-top, larger-than-life action horror storytelling, and it's mixed with the kind of personal intimate character work I love to do in my creator own stuff as well. So Tony's work is out of this world in it. I genuinely believe, and he would tell you this too, that it's his best work ever. Tomeo brought this dark world to brilliant life in color and Darren Bennett, our letterer is just a killer as well. So we couldn't be prouder of it. If you didn't read it, Noctera is about a future that starts tomorrow when sunlight stops hitting the earth and this mysterious darkness envelops the planet. It's a darkness that changes every living thing, plant, animal, human, into monstrous version of itself called a shade. So the main character is a woman named Val, who's a trucker in this world. And truckers there are called ferrymen. And it's about her quest to bring back the sunlight. So it's a lot of fun. It's high octane horror. And we're doing a very special promotion with this volume wherein we're signing book plates, like thousands of book plates. And any store that orders 25 copies or more gets book plates with those copies. So if you order 25 copies, if your store orders 25 copies, every copy will have a signed book plate signed by me and Tony inserted into it for you. So if you can order Noctera, we're really proud of it. Also, Undiscovered Country, number 15, is out right now. We're really, really proud of this one as well. It's a journey further into zone possibility. Undiscovered Country is about a United States that sealed itself off from the world 30 years ago. It takes place 30 years in the future after the United States has sealed itself off from the world. And no one knows what's happened there. It's about a team that breaks in, or is invited in, rather, and discovers that it's the country has become this strange, insane, fractious place with different zones that are completely alien and mysterious. And it's all run by an organization called Aurora. So it's a lot of fun. It's a big adventure book like Land of the Lost, but takes place in a dystopian and wild America. OK, sorry, promotion out of the way. Or is it? Because I was reminded today that it is the 10th anniversary of the New 52, which is crazy 
to think. And we have a special edition of our Batman origin story, Zero Year, out right now. Came out this week. Me, Greg Capullo, Danny Mickey, and FCO. It's probably my favorite story we did during our main run. And the reason is it was the first time I really felt ownership over our Batman. New 52 was a terrifying and exciting time for me. I was a brand new writer. I had been working on detective comics for a year before, but it was really under the shadow and inside the cape of Grant Morrison and Tony Daniel. It was the small book compared to what they were doing. So I had a lot of shielding and I was able to make it more of a indie style vertigo book with a run we did called the black mirror. And that was me with jock and Francesco Francavilla and Dave Barron on colors. So when I got to Batman <laughs> and I, I told this to you guys that are in the class afterwards and they invited me on Batman, I didn't know it was going to be the new 52. I didn't know it was going to be Batman number one. And I started working on the court of owls and found all that out. So I kind of lived in abject terror for the first couple of years on Batman, I literally almost ruined my marriage, where all I could do is work all the time to try and show myself that I wasn't a total fraud and had something to say on my favorite character. But Grant Morrison introduced himself to me one year at San Diego Comic-Con, and he saw how terrified I was working on Batman, and he was incredibly kind and generous. And it began a tradition of us bumping into each other every year at San Diego and him always being kind and generous to me. And one of the funny things about bumping into Grant was it always happened in this totally pedestrian places. Like I'd see him at the buffet in our bathing suits or something in the morning at the hotel, or I'd bump into him outside the men's room, or I'd see him online at the little Starbucks or hot dog stand or something. So always the least kind of Grant Morrison settings, which was always fun. But I bumped into him and he saw how scared I was. And he told me the thing I needed to do with Batman was to create a birth and a death for my version. And so I actually came up with the death first, which became last night on earth, Greg and my last Batman story. But zero year I came up with after and I wasn't going to do it. I just had it in my head, but DC started really pushing because Bruce Wayne's origin wouldn't really make sense as Batman year one anymore after all these different changes that happened to Jim Gordon and Selena Kyle and all these different characters that were a part of that story. Under the new 52, they had been changed in different ways. So that origin no longer really made sense. And they were interested in somebody doing an origin. And I kind of got the impression that if I didn't do it, somebody else was going to. And I really didn't want that to happen. But what triggered me to do it was one day, I've told this story before, but I don't think I have in this class or any of this. My now 14-year-old son, Jack, was only in like kindergarten at the time or first grade, something like that. And when he was in school one day, they had a lockdown drill, the kind of drill you do for school shooters. And he had been getting water out in the hallway and they didn't realize. And so... They closed the doors and he was out in the hall. It was only a few seconds, apparently, but it really terrified him. And he always went to school with a thermos after that. He'd never leave the room for water. And I just remember really sitting with that and thinking how different his childhood fears are or were from mine. 
I grew up in the 80s and Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns really spoke to me in a way that made Batman feel relevant and real. The Cold War anxieties were in those books or in Dark Knight Returns. The kind of corruption and urban decay and the feeling of anger and resentment and desperation that was apparent in New York City in the 80s was there in year one. So Batman felt real and immediate to me in his origin and in his birth and death, those two stories. And so I wanted to do one that addressed my kids' fears, random violence and terrorism and superstorms and endless war and apocalyptic situations where things just deteriorated when the grid fails and all of this. And so I got this idea to do an origin, or I had the idea, but I started to really play with this idea of doing the origin in a way that would be an inversion of year one, where instead of being minimalist and dark and gritty, it would be maximalist and explosive and kind of punk rock in its colors. And it would embrace the kind of comic book lunacy of Riddler bots and all of this stuff be over the top and sort of rocket ship nuts while still being grounded and hugely <laughs> emotional and personal in that way. I wanted Batman to be something different than he'd been before for them. Instead of being someone who scared bad guys into the shadows, I wanted him to be someone who inspired good people into the light in frightening times. Someone who wasn't responsible for the villain's creation necessarily, but instead was someone who would draw their fire and take on these kind of big iconographic metaphorical monsters to make us brave in ways that would allow us to face real monsters, real systemic problems and entrenched issues that make life really difficult now. So that was my idea. And that zero year was extremely liberating and exciting and terrifying. And I remember just thinking, this is the first time I really feel like Greg and I and the team own this Batman. Like, take it or leave it, <laughs> love it or hate it, it's our version. And it meant the world to me. And I'm so deeply proud of that story. So that's my new 52 tag. Sorry, it's raining crazy hard here, if you can hear that <laughs> in the background. The last thing for this crazy long newsletter, I want to start showing you the books we're doing for Comixology. I'm so proud of these books. And we have three coming out in October. They're calling it Scotttober. I know it's funny, but I kind of love that they're doing it. The first three books come out the first three weeks of October. We Have Demons with Greg Capullo, John Glapian, and Dave McKaig. It's like big Saturday morning cartoon fun, but it's R-rated. It's everything we love to do in metal and Batman, but in our first, very first creator-owned book together. I couldn't be more excited about it. It's got, obviously it has terrifying demons. It's got a secret organization that fights them. And it's got a great hero team. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I love this book dearly. The second book, Clear, is me and uh, Francis Manipal, who's a dear friend. And it's uh, speculative. We can hear the lightning and thunder. Speculative science fiction. It imagines a future where we all connect to the Internet neurologically and we can skin the world however we want, even though the superstructure of the world remains the same. So if you want to look out and see the world in a filter that's, they call them veils, but if through a veil that's 1940s glamour, you can. If you want to look out and see the world in porn veil, everyone's naked. If you want to see the world as though the history of the world is different, the history of the country is different, you can do that. So everyone lives in kind of a private reality, and it's a murder mystery that takes place in this 
future and it's narrated by a detective who keeps his setting on clear all the time. So it's really dark. I'm hugely proud of it. It's Francis's book in that he's just doing next level work on it. Wait till you see. It's like a visual feast. And the third book is Night of the Ghoul. I've been working on this with Francesco Francavilla for a very long time. We've been teasing it forever. And it's a story of a man who works restoring old films, digitizing them. And he comes across the remnants of a film, a lost horror classic from the 1940s that was supposed to have been destroyed in a big studio fire. And the, the film is called Night of the Ghoul. And the story starts when after he's tracked down with his son, he's tracked down the writer-director of the film who's still alive at about 100-plus years old in hospice care in the desert in California and meets with him to ask what happened to the film and what happened to him. Why did he disappear afterwards? And so it begins this real claustrophobic, horrific night, and it intercuts between their interview and the horrible things that happen at this rest home (laughs) and the remnants of the fictional black-and-white film. So, again, huge visual kaleidoscopic book, but I have amazing, amazing co-creators on these things. Those are just the first three of eight. (laughs) I I cannot wait for you to see them. I'll be teasing a lot of stuff from them and more as we get closer, but I've taken up too much of your time and I just want to say thank you. I'm having so much fun doing this, both the paid subscription and the free subscription. This has become something I really look forward to. I hope it is for you too. Thanks. Thanks.